1 Corinthians chapter 3. Um, right now, for the, for the past couple weeks and the next couple weeks, what we're not in an official series. If it was a series, I would call it like our DNA. Since this church, this is our third week if you're new. Um, I'm just trying to lay out the foundation of what is the church supposed to be like? Who do we feel God is calling us to be as a church? Our mission, our vision, our core values. And um, today this teaching is really just laying the foundation uh, for what the church is uh, and what this church is going to be. So a couple weeks ago I said we're going to be a church who throws gospel seeds where nobody else is throwing them. That's the parable of the sower, throwing them in the weeds, throwing them by the wayside. Last week we talked about how the church is a people in a place, and we believe that God is calling us to be the people of God in the place of Ashland and in the bigger picture Rogue Valley as well. Um, and today I want to just lay again a foundation for what is this church about, what are we about, and this is really one of our core values. And as you guys know, a foundation is the most important part of the structure. So before this church grows and we build it even more than it is, we need to lay the foundation. And if we don't have a solid foundation upon what we're building, then we're not going to be able to grow in the way that God wants to do that. The foundation, again, is the most important part of the structure. And I learned that as a kid as well. Um, I didn't go to school until fourth quarter of fourth grade. Me and my brothers, we just got really good at building forts. We had this epic tree fort in what we called our second backyard. It was like a five-story tree fort. It was awesome. We also had an underground fort that we dug in this church's field. And we just took shovels literally every day. We dug a hole so big that you could stand in it completely underground. It was our underground fort, and it was pretty epic. And after a couple weeks of digging this fort, we put a couch in there. We put a TV stand with a little TV, and we ran an extension cord from our second backyard to our backyard. So, like, it was pretty legit. And we just covered this giant fort. Like, it was probably the size of, like, almost this stage. I'm not kidding you. It was massive. We covered it with just, like, this cheap plywood, and then we threw a bunch of dirt and grass and leaves over it because we didn't want the church uh, who we were doing on the property. We didn't want them to find it. So we kind of, like, camouflaged it with leaves and stuff like that. It had, like, this cool trap door, which you could also open, and you, like, crawl through this cavern into, like, the underground fort. It was nuts. So that was kind of like our hangout spot. Kids in the neighborhood would go to school, and we would go underground and just kind of chill in there and just do what most elementary school kids do. Nothing. Just, like, you know, whatever. So... We're chilling our underground floor, checking the TV like it was cool. Well, one day, we go back to, to check out the underground floor. We're going to hang or whatever. And as we show up, we notice that there's like this massive cave-in like into the fort, and there's this driving tractor stuck in it. And apparently, like the lawn maintenance guy from the church was mowing like the church property, and he was just like cruising and like – he didn't see, like, we camouflaged it really good. He didn't see, like, yo, there's a giant hole right there. He just drove over, like, this piece of plywood and just went down, straight up. I don't know if he lived or not. Like, we're, we're not sure. But, like, he, homeboy just straight went down. And, like, I wish I could have seen it. I can't wait to, like, watch the replay in heaven. Like, he's just cruising, and then he disappears. Like, he's gone. <laughs> it's was, it was probably pretty epic. So, like, his tractor's in there, and I was like, oh, shoot. Like, that ain't good. And that church, like, they knew, like, the bra sewers. Those were the kids who aren't in school. They're the ones, like, destroying things. So they, like, knew it was us. It was not good. We came back the next day. The tractor was gone, but they filled, like, our giant hole with gravel. They brought in a tractor, 
dumped a bunch of gravel into it. I think they buried the TV and the couch. Like, we never got that back. I'm not really sure. But I was like, dude, like, that's such a bummer. But again, like, that, like, is, is not a stable foundation. Like, a piece of plywood, tractor driving over it, that thing ain't going to be able to grow. That ain't going to work. And we're going to see here, like, as we're really laying, like, the foundation, the groundwork for what we believe the church is, according to the scripture, uh, that we need to have a solid foundation so that it can grow. Now, check this out. First Corinthians chapter 3, Paul the Apostle writes in verse 10, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So Paul here he is writing this letter to the church of Corinth, and Paul the Apostle planted the church in Corinth. In fact, he was the first person to bring the gospel to the people there in Corinth. He was the first person to bring the word of Jesus Christ. So he is telling them in this letter, man, I'm the one who, who laid the foundation. I came and I brought the gospel to you guys when nobody in your city had heard it. And that always really was Paul's goal. In Romans chapter 15, verse 20, he said, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel not where Christ is already named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. So Paul, uh, as a missionary, he wanted to go to places where people didn't have the gospel, where people hadn't preached the gospel. And that, as I shared a few weeks ago, was a huge part of our call coming to the city of Ashland. We wanted to plant seeds where gospel seeds weren't being planted. That's not that there's no other churches in the city doing that. There are some other amazing, awesome churches. I pray with pastors from all the churches in Ashland every Thursday. It's awesome. But we felt like God wanted to do something new in this city. And so we wanted to come and be a church that's really planting those seeds, laying the foundation, bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to notice what Paul says, again, in verse 10. He says that he laid the foundation. And there, he's talking about preaching the gospel. Now, what he doesn't say is that he designed the foundation or invented the foundation. He said, I came and laid the foundation, but the foundation, which was the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ, it wasn't designed by Paul. It was designed before the ages. Flip back to chapter 2, verse 7. Same book, 1 Corinthians 2, 7. Look what Paul writes here. He says, we impart a secret, hidden wisdom of God, uh, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. So the gospel, which is the foundation of the church, it wasn't what Paul just decided, huh, maybe I should do this. No, like this is what God had foreordained before the world began, that this, the message of Jesus Christ, would be the foundation of the church. And so as we come and plant this new church in this city, we don't choose as the people of the church what the foundation is going to be. We don't design and say, hmm, these are our preferences. The foundation is Jesus Christ. The foundation was decreed before the ages began. We're coming and laying a foundation, which is what's happening today through the proclamation of the word. We're laying the foundation. Man, this church is about Jesus. But that's not because this is what we choose or what we want. This is what God has decreed from the beginning of time would be the foundation of the church. Now, look what he says as well at the end of verse 10. He says, let each one... Take care how he builds upon it. So Paul went to Corinth. He laid the foundation. He was the first person to bring the gospel to them. And then he says to his successors, because Paul didn't stay in Corinth, let each one, the people who came after Paul, take heed how they build on that foundation. 
meaning people who come and preach the gospel need to make sure that the things that they're building with, the tools that they're building with, are consistent with the foundation. And Paul said this in Galatians 1.8. He said, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you any other doctrine, any other gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. So this is really what Paul's saying here when he says, let each one take heed how he builds. This is an admonition and a warning to all of us who are a part of the church that we need to make sure that as we invest in this church, that as we are members of this church and building this church, that we build with the same foundation that was laid, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a warning primarily as well to, to church leaders, to pastors, and to teachers of the word to make sure that they're not substituting the gospel of Jesus Christ with human wisdom. Those who are called to instruct the church in doctrine, in preaching, and in teaching need to make sure that the gospel is the center focus. That is the foundation. And so as today, I'm kind of casting vision for the foundation. I want to let you guys know this is a gospel-centered church. The foundation of this church is Jesus Christ and him crucified, which is what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2. That's all I know. It's Jesus and him crucified. So that's what we're going to be about. Everything that we do, everything that we proclaim, it's centered on the person and the work of Jesus. It's the gospel. And uh, the beauty of this, again, in verse 10, when he says, man, let each one take care how he builds on it. This shows us that every single follower of Jesus is called to build on the foundation that was laid before the ages, which means it's not only a pastor's responsibility to build and invest in and grow in the church. It's all of us. Each person needs to take care of how they build on the foundation that was laid. So the foundation, man, it's the gospel. It's Jesus. By faith, we enter into the family of God. But every single one of you guys in here is responsible to continue to build on that foundation that was laid. And I want to just challenge you guys in that and encourage you in that. How are you going about building upon the foundation that has been laid in your life? We all are going to be accountable to, to, man, what did we do with what we were entrusted? How, how did I cultivate and, and develop discipleship in my own life? And we as a church want to do that as well. We want to invest in people. We want to come alongside you guys and help you build on the foundation of your life. In a few weeks, I'm going to do a vision series on discipleship, and we're going to roll out a discipleship program. But every single one of us, you guys, needs to understand that the foundation that was laid, foundations are meant to be built upon. Like if you lay the foundation of a house and don't ever do anything else, then the foundation's kind of pointless. It serves the purpose to be able to build something amazing. And God wants your life and my life and all of our lives to grow and be built into something amazing. And we are responsible as the people of God to build upon the foundation that was laid. So the gospel it's the foundation. The gospel is also what we build with and what we grow with. And I want to just challenge you guys, man, be a people that is about the gospel. Be a people that, that's in prayer that the gospel would move. Be a people who, who sees the gospel continue to transform your life on a day-by-day -day basis. So Paul here says, man, let each one of us take care how we build upon that foundation. And then in verse 11, again, he says this, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So he makes it clear as day 
in case anybody was questioning, man, what should the foundation of the church be? How should we start this thing? He says, man, no other foundation can anyone lay except for Jesus Christ. Like that is the foundation. So the foundation of the church, it's not Christian ethics. It's not philosophy. It's not politics. It's not church history. It's not church leaders. It's not church denominations. The foundation of the church is the person, Jesus Christ. And a lot of people, they want the foundation of the church to be other things. Man, it should, we should talk more about politics or it's about that one person, that one leader. Like, no, it's not. The church, the foundation of it, the primary purpose is to make known and declare the work of Jesus. That's what we're about, telling the story of Jesus. What's he doing in our lives? What's he doing in our community? And so that is the foundation of the church. Now, Paul is telling this to the people in Corinth that no other foundation can anyone lay other than that which is laid, Jesus Christ. Where did he get that, though? Like, that's great that Paul said that, but where did that come from? How do we know that that should be the foundation of the church? I want you to flip back to Matthew chapter 16. That's the first gospel in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 16. We're going to see where Paul really gets this idea that Jesus Christ is the foundation of the church. Matthew chapter 16, and we will start in verse 13. It says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he, Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? Verse 16, Simon Peter said, you are the Christ the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So Jesus just proposed a huge question to his disciples. Man, who, who do people think I am? And, and there was a lot of controversy. Man, some people think you're John the Baptist. Some think you're Jeremiah. Some think you're a prophet. And then Jesus says, who do you guys think I am? And Peter's declaration here of what Peter says in verse um, 17 or in verse 16, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That declaration that Peter made, Jesus now says in verse 18, man, on this rock, this proclamation of faith that you, Peter, have spoken that I am the son of God, that I am the Christ, which means the anointed one. Upon this confession of faith that Peter just made, Jesus said, I'm going to build my church on that and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So there's four things I want you to really take note of in this passage. Four things that we see come from really this foundational pivotal moment as Jesus is saying, yes, what you have just said, Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. That's the foundation upon which I'm going to build the church. Four things I want you to note. If you're a note taker, you can write these down. If you're a tweet meister, you can tweet these things. Number one, the church is built on proper Christology. Number one, the church is built on proper Christology, which Christology just means it's, it's the doctrine of Christ. It's the person and the work of Jesus Christ. The church is founded on proper Christology. Peter said, he made a declaration of faith, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, that profession of faith, 
that understanding that you have, that I, Jesus, am the anointed one, the Christ, the Son of God, that's the foundation, that's the rock upon which I am going to build the church. So the church ultimately is a community of people who agrees on who Jesus is, proper Christology. It's a people who agrees corporately that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That is the foundation of the church. And if a church does not proclaim and does not preach and does not believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, they may look like a church, they may function like a church, they may act like a church, but that is not a part of the true church that Jesus came and established. The foundation of the church, what makes a true church that Jesus came and established is this proclamation. We as a church, we as a people believe this proclamation of faith that Peter said, we're also going to declare that. We believe you're the Christ. We believe you're the anointed one, the chosen one. We believe you're the son of God come in the flesh to die for our sins, to redeem us, to purchase us to God. That's what the church is. And this is twofold. We talked about last week, local. The church is a people in a place like the church in Corinth, the church in Ephesus. This is a church in Ashland. But what Jesus is speaking of here is really the global church. People all over the world from every tongue, every tribe, every nation, every single human being on every place of the uh, uh, every place on the earth who professes Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the Living God. They are a part of the church that Jesus came and established. Again, it's not just local; it's what God's doing bigger than that throughout the entire world. And again, we all become a part of that. We are a part of the church that Jesus established. Through this, through faith, through a proclamation that we believe Jesus is the Christ, we believe he is the son of God. If you believe that, if you have faith, if you profess that, you are a part of the foundation that Jesus is building his church on. He said to Peter, man, this is it. It's this proclamation. And so again, this is what we're building as the foundation of our church. It's the gospel. We're going to just be straight up and say, we believe that Jesus is the rock. We believe he's the foundation. We believe that he is the Christ. He's the anointed one, the son of God. And through you and through me making that proclamation, that is how we become a part of the church. That's how we become a part of the body of Christ. We're adopted into the family of God by faith saying, we believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Now, I want you to notice this. The foundation of the church, Christology, the proclamation that Jesus is the Christ, the foundation of the church is not principles, it's a person. And that is what separates Jesus and Christianity from every other religion in the world. Religion is principles. Religion is, here's what you need to do. Religion is, here's all the steps you need to take. This isn't religion, friends. This is relationship. This is the person of Jesus. It's not, we need to do all these things in order to become a part of this. No, that's not it at all. It's, we believe that Jesus already has done everything, and now we become a part of that through faith that he is the Christ, that he is the Son of God. So, again, this church, man, we're about the person of Jesus. We're not about the, the principles and the regulations and the rules. We're about Jesus. We're about following Jesus. It's a person, not principles. And also, notice that the foundation is singular. It's just Jesus. It's not Jesus and this. It's not Jesus plus fill in the blank. It's a singular foundation. He's the Christ. He's the son of the living God. That's it. There's, there's a lot of people 
lot of churches who want to try and tag on all these other things like Jesus and you have to do all this other stuff. Like Jesus and you have to be a part of only this church. Jesus and you have to get baptized here. Like, no, it's, it's just Jesus. We're not going to add anything else to the foundation. That's it. He's the Christ. He's the son of the living God. That's it. And so through faith, like, like Peter making this proclamation, we, I believe you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, man, that's the foundation of the church. And that's what we believe here. We believe that Jesus is the only way. He's the truth. He's the life. We believe that he's the only chief shepherd, that he's the vine. He's the resurrection and the life. He's the narrow gate. He's the bread of life. He's the living waters. He's the rock of ages. And he's the only foundation that we're going to build in this church. Nothing else. So, you guys, this isn't just me. You guys are accountable for this. You guys are accountable before God. If things come into this church that are not a part of the foundation, then you guys are accountable to, to help bring that up. E even me, as I'm preaching, if I speak things that are contrary to the gospel, if I bring things that are contrary to the true foundation, the person and work of Jesus, you guys need to bring that up. You guys need to share that because we do not want to lay anything else in this church other than the person and the work of Jesus. He's the only foundation. So check this out. He says, man, this is the rock. This is the foundation upon which I'm going to build the church. It's proper Christology, understanding who Christ is. Number two, point number two, check this out. The church is Jesus's church. Look at verse 18. He says, I tell you, Peter, uh, on this rock, I will build my church. So the church that Jesus came and established is his church, which means he is the foundation, number one, and he's also the founder. The church belongs to Jesus. It doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to the Pope. It doesn't belong to Peter the Apostle or Paul the Apostle. The church that Jesus came and established, it's Jesus's church. He's the foundation, and he is the founder, which is amazing because this means if Jesus is the founder of the church, if it's his church, that means he defines our beliefs. He defines our structure. He defines our practices. He defines our mission. There's a lot of churches who want to try and create this stuff on their own. They say, man, this is what we want to do, but, but it's, it's, it's like, no, this isn't your church. This is Jesus' church. What did Jesus say the mission of the church should be? How did Jesus say in the scriptures that we should form and structure the church? How did Jesus say we should go about reaching people? Because Jesus defines the church, because he is the founder, man, that takes so much pressure off of us. It takes so much pressure off of me. I, although I've been appointed and, and have felt God call me to come and start this church and I'm a pastor in this church, the church isn't defined by me. I, I don't pick and choose that this is what we're going to do. I say, Jesus, this is your church. What do you want to do? And, and I submit myself to the authority of Jesus and to what he has spoken in the scriptures that a church should be like. And that is amazing. And a lot of people, man, they, they try to implement their own thing and bring their own thing and do their own thing in the church. And it's like, no, the church isn't about you. The church isn't about me. It's Jesus' church. And when we come in here, we just are saying, I want to get out of the way, and I want to get on board with what are you doing, Jesus? What do you want to do in this church? What do you want to do in this city? And we're submitting ourselves as a people to what Jesus wants to do. It's his church. Therefore, he defines our practices. Again, our culture, our mission, our values, all of that. 
It's, it's Jesus. He, he's the one who chooses it, which is amazing. Again, takes so much pressure off of all of us to have to come in here and put on a show and try and impress people or whatever. No, man, it's, it's Jesus. He's, he's doing his thing, and it's awesome, right? Amen? So number two, G, the, the church is Jesus' church, which also means, by the way, if, if something ever did happen, God forbid, and I died, or, like, I'm not the foundation of this church. Like, if, if, if Jake wasn't here leading worship, if all, like, it's not about any single person here. Like, Jesus is alive, and he's going to keep doing his thing regardless of, of who's here, right? It's amazing. Amen. So it's Jesus' church. He's the foundation. He's the founder. Look what else he says in verse 18. Number three, he says, you're Peter on this rock. I will build my church. So number three, we're laying the foundation of the church. Jesus will build his church. So he is the foundation. He is the founder. And he is also the builder. This is the promise Jesus made when he established the church on the foundation of he's the Christ. That's number anybody said, man, I am going to build my church. That my church that Jesus established, it's going to grow, not because of people, but because of Jesus. Because Jesus is going to change people's lives. Because Jesus is going to reach people where they're at. And even this, like if you were here four weeks ago, we were meeting in the park for six weeks with like 20 or 30 people. Now we've got like over 100. And the beautiful thing about that is I get no credit for that. The worship team gets no credit for that. The people serving behind the scenes get no credit for that. The reason this church is growing is because Jesus is building his church. Amen? He's fulfilling the promise that he made. When a gospel-centered church takes root in any community, it will grow because Jesus has promised, I'm going to build my church. And if the foundation of that church is the person and the work of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ, guess what's going to happen? You lay that foundation and you provide room for God to be able to build something amazing on that. And again, this is so freeing. This is so liberating for me as a pastor here to know, man, it's not, it's not about me. It's not about my techniques. It's not about what can we do to try and get people in. It's just, man, Jesus has promised he's going to build this thing. I'm just going to stick with that and go along with whatever he's doing. It's, it's liberating, but it's also humbling because it means Jesus doesn't need any one of us. Like there, there can become this mentality in ministry that like, oh, like, look, look what I'm doing here. Look what I've created. Look how awesome this is. And Jesus is like, no, like I can get you out of there and I'm still going to build my church. Jesus can do something awesome without any one of us here like that, which is amazing. And so Jesus says, man, I'm going to be the one who builds my church. Now, that's not to say that he doesn't use people, that he doesn't use us as his agents. I mean, we are the body of Christ and that's what's amazing. And Jesus is ultimately the one who's growing and building his church. But it's amazing that we, the people of God, get to partner with him in that. Like, it's amazing that he builds his church through people, right? Which is so cool. People gifted in different ways, anointed with different gifts. And God says, man, I'm actually going to use you. I'm going to use the gifts. I'm going to use you serving. I'm going to use you helping out with the kids to make disciples over there. Like, he uses our efforts to build the church. But at the end of the day, we don't get credit for it. It's, it's not about us. Jesus is going to do what he's going to do with or without us. But again, this is just another encouragement. Man, you can be a part of what Jesus is doing here. Like Jesus is building something in this community that's already way bigger and more amazing than we thought it would be by week three. He's doing something awesome. And I want to invite you guys into that. Like we want to 
use your guys' gifts. We want to invest in you guys. We want to cultivate who has God created you to be and how can we use who you are to further the kingdom of Jesus, to spread the story of Jesus. And so don't think that, oh man, Jesus is just going to do what he's going to do, so I just get to sit back and do nothing. Like, no. It's actually amazing that he's given us all such an amazing different skill set and different positions of influence in the community, and we can use those and leverage those to further the gospel and to build the kingdom. So I want you guys just to be thinking about that throughout this week. Again, where's God placed you in the community? What influence has he given you? What people are already around you? And realize that God wants to build his kingdom through you. He, he uses people. He used 12 disciples who went out and made the church grow more insane than even Jesus did when he was on earth. So God uses people to bring his kingdom. But at the end of the day, he's the one building the church because he promised that he would do that. Amen. Fourth and finally, check this out. Verse 18, he says, and I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Number four, Jesus is the foundation, Jesus is the founder, Jesus is the builder, and number four, he's the protector. He says the church will prevail. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. This is the fourth promise, which is the most amazing of them all, that the church at the end of the day will grow, that the church at the end of the day will prevail. And many people throughout history have tried to destroy the church. Many people have tried to tear down the kingdom that Jesus came and initiated at his birth, at his death, at his resurrection. There's been many people who have tried to do it, and none have succeeded, and none will succeed. Whether it be the Roman Empire of the first century, the Soviet communism in the 20th century, radical Islam, China, North Korea, the secular elite, no politician, no political party, not even Hitler, scientists, philosophers, nobody ever has and nobody ever will be able to destroy the church. Because Jesus promised, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And we've seen this for thousands of years, although it may have been small, and although local bodies may close their doors, there, there, there's thousands of churches closing their doors in America every single day. So people would say, oh, the, the church is dying. It's, it's not going to be around in 20 or 30 years. Well, people who believe that simply haven't understood that throughout history, people have tried to destroy the church. People have tried to, to take it out. But Jesus said, man, the gates of hell themselves aren't going to prevail. And what's amazing is even if Jesus tarried a thousand years, or even if he didn't come back for another 5,000 years, every single person who has tried to destroy the church, they'll be dead and the church will be alive and thriving. Amen? Because this is the promise Jesus has made. He said the gates of hell will not prevail against his church, and the gates of hell took their greatest shot at trying to destroy it 2,000 years ago. Jesus himself came to the earth to establish a kingdom, and what happened was a man by the name of Judas, it said, was filled with Satan to go and betray Jesus. Satan knew, man, if I can take out the head of the church, which is Jesus Christ, if we can kill him, we can put a stop to this thing before it grows and gets out of control. And so as you guys know, Judas went and betrayed Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus went to the cross. He was crucified. There he took the wrath of God for the sins of the world. And when, and when Jesus died, he went into the grave three days. He actually was dead. Jesus, as a human, like me and like you, was dead. And, and Satan, the gates of hell, thought for a moment, we've prevailed. Like, we've done it. 
they, they killed the head of the church. They killed King Jesus. Without the head, the body can't function. Us, the body can't function without Jesus. But three days later, we know what happened. Jesus conquered the grave. He conquered death. He ascended to the throne where he is now seated with all authority in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And so the gates of hell took their best shot. They said, man, we got to do this. It's simple. Get that one person, Jesus. They couldn't do it. The gates of hell could not prevail against Jesus. They could not prevail against the church that he came and set up. And it never will. So this is the foundation that we are going to build this church on. Because any other foundation, human wisdom, religion, anything else, that is a shaky foundation. The gates of hell will prevail against that. But if the foundation of this church is Jesus himself, the person, the work of Jesus, the gospel, the profession of faith that you're the Christ, the son of the living God, we are going to face testing. We are going to face persecution. We are going to face opposition. But guess what? We will prevail because Jesus will continue to build his church in this, in this city and, and in this community. The gates of hell themselves will not prevail against what God's doing. And we're a part of that, which is so amazing. So I just want to close with this question. With this as the foundation of the church is Jesus. It's the gospel. It's the only sure foundation. My question is, man, is this the foundation that you're building your life upon? We as a church are going to lay this as the foundation. We're going to see growth. We're going to see God do miraculous things. But man, as an individual, I want, I want you to just examine your heart and say, man, is that the foundation of my life right now? Is that what my life's about? Is that what I'm building my life on? Because anything other than the foundation of Jesus that you build your life on, the sandy foundation, it's going to crumble. And at the end of your life, it's going to come to nothing. But if you build your life being a part of the kingdom that Jesus invites you to be a part of, if you understand that he, Jesus, the founder of the church, laid down his life so that you could build your life upon a sturdy foundation, man, that is so amazing that he, the foundation, says, you know what, I'm going to give it all up so that we could have a strong foundation. That's the gospel, friends, and that's amazing, and that's what Jesus invites us into. So today, I want to just invite you to relay the foundation of your life today to before you leave these doors to say, man, I want that to be the foundation of my life. I want to build my life on the person of Jesus. I don't want it to be about me. I don't want it to be about money. I don't want it to be about my kingdom. I want to lay Jesus as the foundation of my life. And if you've never done that, if you've never invited Jesus to come and be the foundation, you can do that by just simply by faith, like Peter, by saying, I believe you, Jesus, are the Christ the son of the living God, and I want you to be the foundation of my life. And if you want to pray that today, you can pray it on your own. You can talk with me or any of the leaders with lanyards on. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to, to just be a part of what God's doing in your story right here and today. So Jesus and him crucified, the gospel, that's the foundation of the church, and let's have that be the foundation of our lives as well. Amen.